It's time for the Team Bear Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the Team Bear Sports Podcast. Back with myself, Kevin, Tim, and Jackson, as usual, the usual Team Bear members. Uh, we're, we're, we did a pretty quick turnaround from the last episode, just because there's so much shit going on that we we had to come back. We couldn't we couldn't talk about what we're going to talk about a week from now. We had we kind of had to jump right back into it. Sky is falling. The sky is falling. It 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 fell and it fell hard. Yeah, yeah. This is, um, you know, this is the Team Bear podcast where we talk about Chicago sports and actual bear news. We're probably going to be a little light on the bear, uh, Chicago bear news, uh, kind of talk a little bit about training camps, some injuries, things like that. But the, the meat and potatoes of this podcast is for sure going to be baseball oriented and what the Sox and Cubs did at the trade deadline. But uh, we'll get we'll get there when we get there. Uh, but what did you guys do over this, uh, over this weekend, over our little break? Well, I actually had a terrible Friday. Uh, oh, yeah. do tell, do tell. Yeah. Uh, so we did put down our family dog and then all the cub stuff happened. So I was just like, man, today just sucks. <laughs> so Friday was not a good day, but, uh, Saturday I did go to Nats park to watch the nationals and Cubs play. It was a very good uh, high school JV baseball game in which the Cubs did win. It was very eerie seeing all of the Bryant, Rizzo, Baez jerseys. I was wearing one of mine, but my Bryant jersey is like a throwback one where it doesn't have his last name on it. So going forward, it can be just a regular number 17 number. So we're good on that. But yeah, it was it's 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 a cool park. It's in a cool part of town. Um, and I was a big fan of it. Yeah, I liked it. I liked, I don't know where you entered when you went to the game, but I liked, we entered in through the outfield and you just like yes. walked straight in. I was kind of yep. like, I did the same. You know, being at guaranteed rate, I'm just used to like going up, you know, the ramps and the escalators and all right. that. But it just, you go, you go in, they scan your ticket and you're there. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, we did the exact same. It was, it was, and it's pretty easy getting out too. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, how was, how was your weekend? Uh, not too much, not much to report, uh, just kind of hung around and had to uh, work some overtime on Saturday and Sunday. So I did that. Man, being an adult sucks. That's <laughs> <laughs> not fun. Yeah. So myself, what did I do this weekend? I helped my brother-in-law, Troy, move up a, uh, they bought a house and they're need some help moving up a vanity or redoing a bathroom. So I was kind of helping being like the. Brother, good, a helpful brother-in-law moving stuff up to the second floor. Had a few beers. Had a had a had a burger. Is a nice little, I don't know, bro, bro, brother-in-law, bro day. I don't know, but that's about it. About it on my timeline. Hung around with the family. And I don't um, know. And I sorry to interrupt you there, Kev, but I don't know if it was what I said or maybe what you said. But we already got Jackson on the phone already. Uh, I was looking up some baseball news right now, and uh, and, and, some, and some and some Bulls news. Date naps. Date naps. 
I did. I did want to mention actually. I meant to put this in the very beginning in our intro, but you know how uh, how well uh, disciplined we are with these podcasts that we do. I I did make us a podcast email account since the very first <laughs> first episode, but I've just never oh! mentioned it. Oh my! I've just God. never mentioned it. We have an email, so if anyone anyone's listening, I had wanna, no idea. And you want to email us some questions to answer? God we, no! If we ever get enough questions to make it a mailbag episode. The email is teambearpodcast at gmail.com. So if oh, you have wow. any if you have any questions that you want answered by us three degenerates, feel free to shoot it at teambearpodcast at gmail.com. Can't like believe I said, it wasn't already taken. I, I who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? It could have been like you know, a, when I'm creating a, a, an email, that's that's the words I would have chosen for my email. Regardless, they were doing a podcast. Yes, I just was like laughing that I put this in the notes and I was like, I had this even before we decided to really do this podcast. We were kind of like, oh, yeah, like we're going to do it. We're not going to do it. Blah, blah, blah. I had this done, but I've just never mentioned it until now. So we're nine episodes in. We have it. We have an email. What is our uh, down? Do we can we see how many people listen to our podcast? Don't we say have, that on the podcast. They don't want to know how many. I mean, there's two millions, many. millions, millions. Too many to million. count. Two million. It, that's that's a good point. It's just an ongoing ticker that updates so frequently. I'm not I trying to flex tell. on people, man. That's just. I mean, I, oh, I want to. I want to. We got some self-starter podcast uh, friends out there that are, are going to be like, wait, you've only been doing this for nine weeks and you already had that many viewers, listeners. Uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm okay with it. But yeah. uh, OK, OK. I mean, the solid gold uh, drywall we're putting up in the basement down here just from the, the checks that are coming in. Whew. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys are seeing the money, but. It's there. Yeah. Maybe Jackson just has it. Maybe we forgot to put him on the payroll. He's just doing yeah, this. I've, for the, I've not gotten shit. Just doing this for the lo- love it's, of the podcast. It's, it's it's caught in the mail. Yeah. Me and Tim were actually just going back and forth talking about which Rolls Royce we're going to buy. And then. <laughs> We'll throw you a six pack or something, Jackson, for being a good, go. good member. There you go. All right. So let's just kind of get in with the Chicago Bears uh, news and updates at training camp. They actually began training camp uh, at Hallis Hall. They are no longer doing training camp at Olivet Nazarene University. I believe it was the first time in 17 years, I believe I saw that it's not at Olivet Nazarene. Uh, I never went there to see training camp, so I don't have any real kind of connection or sentimental value of it being uh, moved. Um, but just some some updates at training camp. It looks like Andy Dalton is actually looking pretty good, pretty um, okay at the quarterback position. And then Fields, um, up until today, the news was that he was, you know, had confidence, but was had some like rookie growing pains that he was going through. But today, uh, Monday, what is this, August 1st, right? Second. August, oh, yeah, I completely second. flipped the script. I mean, you August just hear second. about how the kid's just killing it out there. Yeah, I know. Like Everything that we put in our, our notes that we did at the, in the morning today, uh, we just had to completely scrap some of this stuff because of all the, all the good news that was going down. So, yeah, Fields has been looking good as of today, making great throws. Someone, and I hate when, you know, reporters or whatever make comparisons like Mahomes or whatever, but – Seen yeah, some side ar- sidearm Mahomes throw esque double coverage throws, so you know it's got me excited. So we kind of we kind of, if I remember correctly, touched on this in one of our very first podcasts, uh, wondering what how we're going to handle this QB QB situation going into the season. But as of right now, what do you think the Chicago Chicago Bears should do um, going into Week One 
with the quarterbacks we have, not including Nick Foles, obviously. <laughs> I know it's weird, like with Nick Foles uh, being like a third stringer, like those third string guys are getting like good reps themselves, like getting like they're not playing with like a like a seventh round quarterback. You know, so they're they're going to get quality reps in. But, I, you know, I think what I've said before, like I, I wouldn't mind fields coming in like week three or week four, just depending on like how the offense is moving. And like if the Bears are winning and let's say they are above 500 and Dalton looks good, it's it might be longer. Um, I, I so I, I think the jury is still out. I mean, we've heard a lot of good work with Andy Dalton. It's not like Andy Dalton's had like a terrible, terrible career. Um in the NFL. I think just as bear fans, we just want to see our, you know, that Cadillac going out there week one, but I think realistically, you know, probably week four, just depending on how he looks, how does Jenkins look? Um, so I'm going to go with that. I say, I, I disagree. I think it's, I, I agree in the sense of that's probably going to be the time when he roll, gets rolled out, but I disagree, and, and I, I've been looking at, and I know we're about to talk about Jenkins and his back and all this, but, you know, I, I see a lot of sentiment about the offensive line, and I want to, like, nip that in the bud. Like, like a lot of teams that draft high, quarter, like draft quarterbacks in a high position, end up not having the best offensive line in the first place. It's not like, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to go into this all-star line, you know, like, so I, I really want to dispel the notion of like I really don't think that what we should do maybe not maybe against the Rams yeah but like if the offensive line isn't like playing too well I don't want to like be like oh we're gonna kill this guy whatever like you you're gonna play with some offensive lines there are gonna be some revolving doors in Chicago at times like you got to go out there like if he's ready he's ready same thing with Andy Dalton I don't care if we're winning if Fields is ready throw them out there like they did with Tua and uh, Fitzpatrick. I, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. Like, if you're 6-0 and or whatever, and you're not going to be. But if you're 6-0, and Dalton's playing great. Like, if Fields is ready, he's the future. Put him out. Like, I don't – Yeah, I don't I'm think, okay with that. I'm okay I don't think that. it – I don't think it should be contingent on anything else. Line, Dalton, nothing. It should only be contingent on if Nagy and the staff thinks he's ready and he's ready, put him out. That's it. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, am torn between, you know, letting Dalton play, you know, just until I, I guess until this morning, I should say, when it was like, oh, he's, you know, has confidence, but he's not really, you know, making, I don't want to say he's not making big plays, but he's looking like a rookie. You right. know, I would kind of be leaning more towards, I guess, Jackson's uh, point of view saying, let Dalton start and then when he's ready, have him come in. But if he's, performing like he did today and if he continues to do that you know i'm with you i think that if he shows that he has confidence he knows the playbook he i'm reading that he's like already telling players that are going the wrong way on a play where to go which is you know great to see just going from mitch who doesn't probably know half the playbook um i don't think you knew how to spell playbook <laughs> but you might as you might as well play him right he's dalton's not the future you know you just never know knows that too like Absolutely. Like, and that's a good thing about it, having like a quarterback like Andy Dalton. Like, he gets it. And Andrew, just the way that like football players are like coached up in high school and in college, if they're ready, they can produce. It's not like you're gonna. All these rookie quarterbacks are project QBs that come out of the draft. I mean, just look at Herbert and all these guys come in. Burrow, I know, and they're all high draft picks as well. But 
you know, if a quarterback shows that they're ready, you know, put them in there. If they're not ready, then like a Josh I, Allen, I think, he's not ready, then let him, you know, sit behind yeah. and play in a season or two or at least half a season or so. I want to see Where how is, he does. I want to see how he does against a number one defense. Like, you know, not just like the best defense, but like a, a starters and in pads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're in pads this week, so that's obviously going to be um, – but he's not going to get hit. But, you know, I mean, that's the one thing, the downside, I guess, of having three preseason games is, like, you don't have enough time to evaluate. Like, he, it's not like he would play in three of them anyway. But, um, you know, I, I want to see how he does with pads, how he does with – another defense. I think one thing I do like what the NFL does now a lot of is that they do like the split camps, right? So I know that they have the dolphins coming in soon and you know, it's going to be a different look, different starters that he's going to go against. And I, and I think he'll do fine. Yeah. I just, it'll be a big test. Yeah. I think that it's just, again, when he's ready, Trubisky didn't have that luxury. It was, Oh shit, this guy's throwing four picks and a half against the Packers. You're going out there. Yeah. He might not have been ready, and he might he might not have been ready for a year and a half, two years. I mean, like, we could we could say what we want about Andy Dalton, and yeah, is he easy to make fun of? Hundred percent. No, 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 no. I think it's gonna but be. I, is, I'm not gonna be disappointed. He is a way different quarterback than Mike Glennon, right? Yeah. At least at least Dalton. Without a doubt, I, I've been to the playoffs before. I know how to win football games. Right. And I know I know how to be a leader of an offense in a locker room. Yeah, absolutely. I think. We have the luxury with Fields can just basically, hey, you, you know, you can when you're ready, everyone thinks you're ready, you're there. But exactly. the NFL, the NFL's changed, man. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta be ready faster because you have all this tape and you have all this knowledge and all these people that are ready to teach you at your disposal and with social media and all that. Like, you can go and work out with anybody you want. Like, you know, you can learn from anyone you want. You can put the time in. He's, he's got all the stuff that's being, you know, taken care of. You know where. People see that he's the last one to leave. He's working out or Ryan Pace gets there and he's there earlier, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like it's there. Like he's going to put the work in. I think he wants to do well. I think, you know, you want to do well because you want your paycheck. You want your status. But like also, again, there's got to be something to be said about like being on the Chicago Bears and being like, holy shit. Like, you know. I'm in nobody's shadow. There's nobody's shadow. Like if I'm it, if I'm it, I'm already beloved. And and you could say that about any franchise. Like if you're a good quarterback, people are going to like you. But like, yeah, but it's not like a Aaron Rodgers replacing Brett Favre. Yeah, it is not that. It's not even like even just like a like who you know like I'm trying to think of someone who's like not a Hall of Famer. I was going to say like like uh, uh, Andrew Luck. Yeah, whoever replaces him, it's like oh you know like we didn't we, we we loved Andrew Luck, but we didn't. You know, he wasn't, he didn't play enough to be that Hall of Famer. I mean, like, it just, there's nobody, I mean, there's not even anyone. You're not in anyone's shadow. Like, so go out and get it. Yeah, I just think that, especially with Fields, who is, you know, the people, the people who are doing mocks or, or, you know, kind of analyzing him, saying that he's a, you know, competent quarterback, good leader, like hard worker. And it, obviously all those things have, shown up from the reports from training camp and just kind of what we've seen from the bears reporters and coaches saying great things about him, but adding the little chip on his shoulder that he has from being drafted so late in the first round and having uh, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson drafted above him. I think that's only going to, you know, quarterback his... teams that passed on him because they thought they could be like, Oh, well we can address something in free agency. Like the exactly. Broncos. 
Like that's only that's just gonna add, I think, just another level to his game that is just gonna make me think that he's ready to come in whenever they want him to. And it's funny too because like you would think that if Fields was drafted in the position that Trubisky was, it would make so much more sense. Someone who is had a lot of experience at a major program, made uh, multiple playoff runs in college football, no questions about how many games he's played, blah, blah, blah. If he's coming in for Glennon, it makes sense. You know, he's had a lot of experience. Glennon stinks. We could put him in right away where now we have someone like Dalton who— You absolutely is, could switch their circumstances and be like, okay, well, I can see why Trubisky dropped to the 11th pick or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it is. Oh, he's exactly. raw. He needs this. But— yeah, it's it's nuts how how different and how, uh, how you know basically how different their careers are going to be. We'll see. But yeah, I and mean, I think one let, let's be honest, uh, like with Justin Fields, whether he comes in week one, week four, week ten, he will have a lot better mentor above him oh, and abs- below a- and absolutely. and below him. Right. If Foles doesn't get traded in the next week or two, um, you know he as much as I like to rip on both those guys like they are competent quarterbacks they know how to win they've won super bowls they won playoff games like it's not like not mark sanchez yeah he's gonna learn from mark sanchez and fucking mike glennon like that's that's not knowledge you're not gonna pick someone's brain you're not gonna and i think it's a lot of little things that justin has like improved on from what i've read is like like basic things like we might take for granted like getting the calls right or like organizing the huddle or like your footwork or getting like, snaps all... from the center i mean and that's yeah. and that's where like, that's, that's where the, the tape is stuff. against them the reads the second read and all that right. like th- all that little stuff adds up to making you know a good quarterback yeah so you, you touched on it just a little bit uh, ago about Foles possibly being traded obviously Carson Wentz if anyone knows Carson Wentz went down with a foot injury there have been whispers about Foles possibly going to the Colts because it's Frank Reich's a coach there he was the court the offensive coordinator when they won the Super Bowl uh, if that happens what what do you want for Nick Foles are you looking for something just, particular or just just anything? funny that it's the Foles Wentz dichotomy there you yeah, know it's it like cool. it it's just weird, uh, but man, I, I again, I, I agree with Jackson in the sense of like we ripped on him when he's playing for us because he was a statue, but he's a good dude. I mean, yeah, he, he's not going to sabotage a team's organization because he's not playing. You think you could he, get like a? He came like, out. He pick- came out and said it. He came out and said like basically saying without saying that if he's traded, he wants to go to the Colts because of that. His his knowledge of the uh, coaching staff, his knowledge of their offense, he kind of said something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here, but like, you know, I would want to go somewhere where I know things, I'm not learning something brand new, and it's all new right. to me in this. So, I mean, he basically said without saying, hey, please, if you're going to trade me, trade me the Colts. You're just looking I mean, for a late-round pick for him? Like, if, if you're it, like a six-round pick? In cash, maybe. Yeah. Six yeah, I, yeah, and I, you put that, and I was like, I, I really don't care if we get nothing for him. Just take some of his contract. Yeah, yeah I, I think it. with Foles, his benefit is two things. One, he continues to help Justin, even though you have Dalton already doing that. And like I, I mentioned it earlier, is that you give your third round guys like a starting quarterback who can throw you the ball. And what that also does is gives your third round defense like an actual live look too. Right, like it's not David Fails going out there and 
Yeah, or whoever they've thrown out there in their third string. But like, you know, while you're throwing a third round quarter or um, wide receivers, like that means you're also getting reps for your cornerbacks because they have to like know that he's going to place that ball in the right area like a professional would, not like a draft pick. Um, but it's got to be super awkward for Carson Wentz if he goes to Indianapolis. Oh, right? my God. I'm I'm for that. I'm all I'm for that. 100% for that. Just because I was, I was not a fan of Carson Wentz, just as a QB in general, just I thought he was overrated, you know, whatever. But him, like, being a little crybaby when Jalen Hurts took his spot and then he didn't get the starting role back or whatever, however that situation unfolded. I know that was last season. I'm just not it. really – I don't really understand it because you see one report that says he's going to have surgery and then you have another report today that says, oh, he's just going to try to stay off it for a couple of days and go after it. I'm. I'm not like about a, like yeah. a bro- broken foot. He had a broken foot, I guess, and a loose bone or something when he was in high school, and it just gone unseen up until now. And Jesus, and like I, 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 it's like bad where people saying I don't know. For me, I'm just like, dude, if there's a five five to twelve week window where I don't have he's my quarterback, do it now. Let's do it now. Yeah. Now, 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 now go get Foles. See if you can win a couple of games. Hope that it's the five week window versus the 12. So what? I mean, with preseason stuff, I mean, think about it. That like even worst case scenario, that means that he misses like six games or whatever. Like then you just throw him back in the mix and and because the Colts, that that division's wide open. Absolutely. And like I saw some. I guess they it, it probably the favors Titans, them. But, Let's, yeah. It, it favors them. Yeah. Well, I saw they get some a first uh, round from the Eagles, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. But I remember seeing something on uh, our NFL saying that the Colts organizations uh, downplayed Peyton's injury and he was out for the season. They downplayed Luck's first injury, out for the season. Downplayed Luck's second injury, then he retired. They're downplaying Wentz's injury, so my man then, didn't even make it two days. And then, and the weird thing is, like you said, that that the time frame is so weird. Five to twelve weeks. It's like it's the same so thing with it's the same thing with the injury season. for me. I'm like, I guess, and I, obviously, Tatis is like so different because it's like he's the future and he's got all these years. But I, I give if I if I, I tell my player to go get it now, go get the surgery now because. There's something to be said about, and I've read articles about, like, not only does surgery just, obviously, you don't ever want to go under the knife, but, like, there's a placebo effect of surgery that even if it's, even if it's not something that's super invasive, that for whatever reason, it, it gets people's mindsets. And especially, like, a Carson Wentz where he's already, like, inside his, his own head. head. Yeah. I've seen go, this movie before. Go get this surgery. Tell these doctors to tell him it's going to be better than new and just get him to think about it. You know, it's like taking the sugar pill, the placebo, like get him thinking that this is not a problem, because if he thinks his foot's a problem, then he's not going to be he's not going to be throwing through his throws and all that. But that's me. I can see that, you know, if you don't get the surgery and then, you know, you might not want to slide or do a certain cut, you know, and that could, you know, all sorts of different possibilities could come out of that. So I, I'm uh, I, I'm it's, here for that. It's the NFL. Everyone's going to be hurt, but not week one. You know, what I mean, like, yeah. You know, it, Go get, go get what you need, and I mean, and hope that that his, team. His, his timeline is what, mid September or November. Well, and how many games in the in their first games? How many times do they play the Texans? 
how many times they play the Jaguars? You know what I mean? Like, do they play those teams either, like, once? Those are games you can win, even with the backup. Those are games you can win with the Foles. If you, if you, you know, because uh, they have Titan, a good Titans, squad. Titans might, be a, Titans might be a little bit harder. Yeah, but definitely I didn't Houston say that. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I thought you said the Titans. <laughs> Houston and Jacksonville, my bad. All right, so moving on from uh, a little bit of Colts talk, oddly enough, how we got there. Um, so, Tim, you, you posted in our little uh, our notes earlier today that we're, the Bears have some uh, injuries, some rookie injuries that have been popping up. What, are that, what, are, what does that look like? So we got Tevin Jenkins. He hasn't even really practiced because he's got a back issue, and I get that they're being super cautious about it. Um, worrisome, but our other rookie is is feeling better, and that's Daz Newsom, who had that collarbone and came back. So we got, you know, we're getting blessed one way and and not the other. But I'm sure Jackson would agree, and all of us agree. Tevin Jenkins is like super important this year, and the hey. fact that he is not playing is not. I don't like it. Yeah, he he's someone who needs to go against the first rep teams every day. Um, and obviously like a back like a like a back injury for a man his size is um no bueno. But like Daz Newsom, like we talked about, like he got hurt, they got him into surgery, got him into rehab quickly. Right? That's someone go, like on go the get opposite. It done. No waiting. They, let's, they, let's go. Did, they said, Hey, you're gonna be out six weeks, you'll be back middle part of training camp, which is ideal. Now, like obviously now you gotta like work him back in, get it up to speed. But I, I don't know why people wait. Jenkins does worry me. It was not fun reading a bunch of uh, tweets at eight o'clock this morning about Jenkins back, but you know, let's obviously they're going to keep monitoring it and hopefully he's, he'll be fine. Maybe he shouldn't be lugging around 45 pound plates, uh, you know, because then he (laughs) like, he took a 45 pound plate to his room for training camp. Why? They're why are you taking it to your room? They're they're, no, they're like downstairs. he brought it from his house. Like that. There's a million what, of them. That, that's what he brought. Home. I you think know, he was trying to be. The bears yeah. are like asking people. For I think he was trying to be place. cute with it, but you know, yeah. like it's just like man, like it's I, not like hey, give me that step up ladder I, or that like those dumbbells you have or what? What is that thing in behind your wall? It looks like a or Tim next to your dumbbells. Oh. Is, uh, like it's like a push-up bar. Okay, they're 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 asking people for equipment. <laughs> like, bring yeah. your shit home. Yeah, that's just yeah. like Tevin's. Like, he's still probably stuck in like the rah-rah aspect of college football. Like, yeah, you know, Mike when, Gundy said this would be cool. Yeah, <laughs> oh I'm a man. I'm 40. I I just I, it, it stinks because we have a Ryan Pace move of putting all our eggs in one basket and. Jenkins is the only LT. You know, I mean, we yeah, have a seventh round pick from 2020 is his backup. Right. And this is where we've had this conversation before. It's like, do you hold on to Jamarcus Webb or was who they no, Leno. No, no, Leno, Charles Leno. They've gone through so many left tackles over the years. It's I can't. I, I agree with getting rid of Leno, but then go get a cheap replacement because you have a rookie. I mean, you could, or do you, I mean, he was—he would have been a free agent next year anyway. And you let him walk after you that. Have, you could say this with a lot of NFL teams and their left tackle. I get that, but if he goes down, not yeah. good. And we don't even know if he's good or not. And we're gonna say, yeah, that's I'm not. Already good. acting like he is good, you know. Obviously, yeah, right. we drafted him because we think he is, but 
I'm just hoping that it's, you know, very, very, very precautionary. It's so early in camp that they're just like, hey, we're not going to risk anything just because you're such a huge investment in this organization or this organization that we have to be careful. So I agree. I'll, I'll just sit back and wait. And then if there's something coming up in two weeks where he's out, he comes back and he's out again, then I'll start really worrying and be like, oh, boy, we're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of sacks coming from the uh, left side of the. Uh, offensive line yeah 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 all right i think that's good for bears talk for now hopefully we get a little bit more good news when it comes around but i keep well, us... i have to stop you guys for a second whoa because we got bear news and it's from kevin yeah i believe that yeah this is my first this is my first bear news if just to kind of Everyone listening, a little bit of a it behind a the scenes. It's a of what we've had before. Yeah, a little bit of like a behind the scenes uh, kind of how we how we run this tight ship of a show as we each kind of take turns when we figure out the new bear news for the week. And this is my first one. So, yeah, I am uh, I am popping my bear news cherry right now. Oh. <laughs> that sounds fucking disgusting. That sounds oh. bad. Let's never use that again. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway. So uh, there was a report that new research suggests that some polar bears have invented a workaround for killing walruses by bashing walruses on the head with blocks of ice or stone. And as I read into the article further on, basically um, Inuit hunters have come across bear or polar bear specifically using different tools whether to either bash and kill these walruses or just to get different means of food um, in their environment. So I feel like we kind of foreshadowed this talking about shooting bears at the Olympics, using weapons. So not they're, they've caught on. They, they must be listening. Do to this not podcast. say we didn't warn you. Um, I will say in the article, uh, there were a couple pictures of like Inuit, like sculptures they found of like a bear like holding like a boulder or a rock or something that I thought was pretty cool. So this has been going on for a while and it seems like, you know, they've always said chimpanzees have used spears to hunt for like bugs and other animals. They never real like a lot of our friends have always said like well, a gorilla would just use, you know. That's what I was just about to. They're to. they're going to use gonna, some yeah. type of weapon, blah blah blah, and they never have used weapons. And guess who is using weapons? The bear. And they already have weapons on their hands called giant claws. <laughs> so, again, the, the, I don't see gorillas making spears. That'd be a different story. But the don't chimpanzee. Don't say we didn't warn you. If you are in a cold climate. You might want to start thinking about moving down south, or you I mean, know, yeah, I, mean, I don't want to. I don't want a, a bear to drop a rock on me or a nice boulder on me. No. Well, and the, and when inevitably when bears take over the world, like you want to be on the team bear side of history. You don't want us, you know. Oh, they're gonna hunt fi- you down. They're gonna yeah. find you. You don't want to, you know, get caught up by some bears and they have a little bit of background in you and saying, "Hey, we know that you're Team Gorilla in the war of." bears versus gorillas what do you have to say for yourself you can't start switching sides when you know our bear leaders end up taking over the world and say no no i'm team bear now no you gotta if you're you if you're team gorilla now you you better switch now 
It, start, it only starts with boulders, and then it starts with them picking up, you know, smartphones and putting in headphones and listening to the podcast, and then they'll know. And then we'll, come be the the, mi- we'll be our, us. We'll be saved. We'll be saved. Oh, yeah. We're, oh, yeah we'll we be, have, we're the we first ones saved. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, next is smartphones, then it's missile strikes. So, yeah. I mean. They're going to be driving tanks. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty much already doing that in Russia, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean. They are. Yeah, they put them in little cars and they roll around it's great so that was our bear news so that's kind of a little i guess lighthearted, kind of a fun bear news yeah yeah uh, it's a lot different from the bears going into lake tahoe and wrestling with each other yeah Yeah. it's not as bad as it might be light lighthearted for you kev but for me that's that's spelling some scary vibes maybe i'm a little just a little sick and twisted i don't know i mean i've seen your internet history yeah well you don't want you don't want to you don't want to know that. Um, but anyway, so kind of kind of going into some more bear news. Uh, we're going to talk, talk about, about the baby bears. The baby bears, and this was just an absolute madness, madhouse weekend for Cubs and Sox news with the trade deadline and all the moves that we'll talk about. But uh, let me, I'll just have you guys kind of go over what the Cubs did at the trade the trade deadline what the future holds. So I'll just let one of you two take it well, away. They broke up the band. It was like having the Beatles break up. Yeah. That's what it was. But Yoko, it was Yoko got in there and broke it up. Yeah. Is that Jed Hoyer's Yoko or is that Tom Ricketts? Who's Yoko in this situation? I, it, it, there's multiple. There's no true Yoko in this situation, but like, there's so many causes. And like, obviously throughout their seven years, they, they've been a fantastic team. Um, we've had this discussion, like, did they live up to the hype? And I think they, they did. I mean, they did win a world series and a lot of people are like, well, they only won one. Well, it's hard to get to one to begin with. It's hard to win a playoff. My man's triggered. My man is triggered. <laughs> it's hard to win a playoff series. And it sucks that they didn't do it. Cause I think they had the talent to win multiple ones. Um, what the future holds. It sounds like they did get a lot of good, uh, returns back. I think the Nick Madrigal, Keg Krimble trade is actually benefit for both teams and what their needs are for right now and in the future. Um, you know, but it, it does suck because it's an end of an era. Um, the Bryant one, you know, got done at the last 15 minutes of. Gave me a little bit of hope saying maybe we might keep one. Yeah. And then they said, nope. Um we did say last week or last week that we wanted the Band-Aid ripped off. Man, oh, man, was that you, one giant you know, Band-Aid. You that, got, Band-Aid was, that was scalped. That wasn't yeah. a Band-Aid get ripped off. You, I think you're always ready for it. You, you know, you tell yourself it's like a death in the family, like someone who's sick. Like, you're, you, you, like you think you're ready, and then when it happens, you're not. And that's what it felt like. Like, Friday morning was weird because Rizzo was gone. You're like, oh, man, they actually did it. And then I was like, contemplating all day and then boom bleacher report just starts sending out messages all day on twitter and that's yeah, all she wrote and, and you can talk about them you know hitting homers with their other team and stuff but that's you know one game and obviously i think some you know it it, it is going to be the, these are good players i mean there's going to be some guys that have some success on other teams but it just the cubs were not in a position to have these guys they're at least spe- specific for the rest of the year and we we signed our fate when we gave away darvish for teenagers i, I mean we, yeah. we have we gave we have no pitching whatsoever 
even if these guys had a great second half, it wasn't going to be enough for us to be competitive and win in the postseason. And then beyond that, you know, having to sign these guys, all of them being free agents. So, you know, in hindsight, I'm glad they collapsed when they did. You know, and that late to June. not make it as hard. I mean, it's crazy because I mean, you look at the expected value of some of these guys. You know what we we offered Chris Bryant 200 million. We offered Javi what like over 150 or something like that. And then we offered 70 something million to Rizzo. They might not. All three of them might even might not even get what we were going to offer them for an extension. Right, and Hoyer today talked about that on a Chicago radio station. It's like, we made the offer. You know, they said they always wanted to be, you know, Cubs for life on, on the record, but then you get into negotiations and it made you think differently. Um, you know, and there's always a chance they could always sign back. You know, technically they are unrestricted free agents after this year, but I don't not, think, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I and, don't think... I, I, out of all the three guys, like right before the trade deadline, the one I saw potentially staying on the Cubs was Baez, just because I thought, oh, you know, this is they're gonna want to keep one of these guys as like the fan favorites, and Javi, you know, brings in people people love Javi Baez, you know, his like man, his manager isn't as cutthroat either. Yeah, so it, I thought, hey, maybe, but him now going on the Mets with his buddy. I think they're going to, one, I think they're going to offer him a contract at the end of the season. And then two, I just think that's who Javi is. Like, as soon as he left, it's, he's not coming back. Like, he's as, not As soon as he dropped back. the hint, oh, yeah, I'd want to play for New York. Then yeah, I'm, yeah. And when he and, said and that to want, last week and I put, pointed that out, I was like, that's not who, that's not how Javi's been. And I mean, like, what else can he say? Like, here. He, he got his ring. He's been a multiple-time All-Star. He's been close to being an MVP. It's not like... He didn't tell Cub fans or Cubs management, like, you know, it's not like I don't deserve it. And, you know, I mean, obviously the past year and a half, he's regressed so much with the strikeout rate. But, you, I mean, it's it's weird because his strikeouts and problems at the plate has, like, never hurt him in the field as much. Um, you know, like, it, it definitely is weird, like, yeah. signaling. I, R- I Rizzo don't to know. me, I will say this. Rizzo is in a perfect spot with the Yankees because I've always said the Yankees need uh, a power hitting or that hybrid hitter at first base. And they've, they've had a hard time with first baseman over the past 10 years or ever since Teixeira has left, the Yankees have not had a good first baseman. Um, Rizzo gives you a short compact swing, a guy who doesn't strike out that much, who's good defensively. And now you got a short porch in right field he could have a big second half. He was already getting hot for the last couple of weeks before the Cubs dumped him. And, you know, yeah. like him, yeah, going, but, him going to the Yankees, that's a perfect spot. Yeah. I would yeah. imagine that a good, you know, these guys are going to have good second halves because one, they, that's the kind of players they always were. And, and, and do you know what? Like being on a team that is fighting for, for the, a playoff um, position you get energy. Re, re, yeah, re-energizes you as a player. Well, it's like you're not thinking about it. Like you knew all three of those guys, or possibly even more, had a microscope under them the entire time. Like, when are you gonna get traded? When are you gonna get traded? And like, they don't the wait. Know. 
the weight off their shoulders just has to oh, be tremendous. God. It's finally happened. They don't have to think about it anymore. I mean, I'm sure it sucked. Next, I'm sure it season. sucked for all three of them, you know, because they don't want to, you know, all three love it here. But yeah, I, I don't want that toll. So yeah. I, I have a question for you guys about the kind of the return you got for prospects. Uh, so just based off of what you got for Kimbrel, Rizzo, and all those guys, Bryant, Baez, what is that? How how does that make you feel about the return you got back for Darvish? Do you think that you could have gotten way more that's, for Darvish seeing what you that's got? That's the worst would, part. Yeah, yeah. And Darvish, I think you could have got more because it's starting. It's a starting right-handed power pitcher. Well, and you you look at this and you can't be too mad about returns on any of these because as Nick, as uh, Jackson pointed out, Nick Matrigal, that's such a great win for the Cubs and great win for the Sox, and we'll get to that. But that's that's such a great piece for the Cubs to have these two guys in the infield and we're going I mean we we don't know are these prospects that we got we got some arms but really honestly what the Cubs need to do is they need to develop pitching and that's their that should be their number one goal they need to be able to develop two people in a starting rotation and if they can get that by 24 25 26 then we're talking and then we can go spend some money but until then, that was the whole reason why we weren't going to go anywhere. So develop some arms. We got some arms, got some big arms, got some outfielders, got some pieces. But yes, out of all of it, if you're talking about return, not like actual players leaving, the worst part about Friday was thinking and seeing what people were giving up and what, what like the Blue Jays gave up for a Jose Barrios and go, wow, if you would have just kept Darvish and this like, season. Why did they need to do it at the yeah. beginning of the season? Yes, if you would have kept Darvish, it was oh, such think, a, it was such I a huge it, market for pitching that wow, you could have gotten so much. I think if you keep Darvish, you have two solid first pitchers. You you're obviously not you don't lose a backup catcher in Carantini, so you're not going through that whole fucking mess. You uh, like yes, would you probably only have three? reliable pitchers two and a half if depending on what day Alex Mills or Alzali kind of want to do but um I think it changes your season and like you kind of you telegraphed it in the winter just being like hey we're here to sell but we're still gonna retool wink wink and then you just put all these bum pitchers in there and it's like well they can't even go five innings and your bullpen did so well for the first half of the season and then it just it got gassed Yep. These these guys that we got that are hitters, um, great. Looks like we have some guys that potentially could be there. We got some. Then we'll we you know you get some prospects. You're like, oh man, he looks all right. He was drafted so and so here. And then you go, oh wait a minute, he's struggling in single A ball. So like nobody knows anything. And our and I don't you know we need to hire somebody in an organization that knows how to develop pitching because the Cubs haven't. Just and take someone, anyone from the Indians yeah. or Guardians organization. The best thing take. about it too is being in Arizona, man. Like it's been, it's going to be nice wanting to go to spring training because obviously, you know, with COVID and just kind of our depleted farm, the last couple of years of spring training, you know, you go to some games, but I haven't been like, oh man, I got to go see him. Where even after 2016, I was like, oh, I want to go see Ian Happ and Eloy, you know, like I want to go see these guys, you know. So it'll be nice now to check out some spring training games and not only just see some bats like Brandon Davis and all that, but like, see, okay, do we have anybody that can pitch? Like that's going to be the only thing the Cubs need to do from now on. I think there's, I think there are still some goals the Cubs can do for the end of this year. Obviously they're not going to be a wild card or division winner this year, unless something weird happens. But um, I think number one thing is 
I want to see Kyle Hendricks win 20. I think that's a good personal goal for him. He's at 13. He leads the league in wins. I know wins are arbitrary nowadays, um, but I think that will give him a lot more. For some reason, Kyle Hendricks does not get enough credit in baseball. Um, I want to see the leadership of Wilson Contreras continue to grow. Uh, He has signaled earlier this week or this weekend that he would be willing to stay for a rebuild in order to help the organization get better. I think think he wants out. But but we'll see. That's just Um, service, I think. I think he wants out. He's being smart. He's being smart. I I don't know. Dude, we'll see. That, well, that leadoff, that leadoff. Uh, you know, he's pitch. he he's been with the organization since he's 15 years old. It's the only thing he knows. But we that, will see. That I, leadoff know, home run on are, Friday looked like he died inside because I he he stood up and basically you know told our pitcher like that's not where I told you to put the ball. You know, like that's yeah. not where I told. And well, it just and then, I've never. He's always fiery, but. I've never seen him on like a first pitch. Yeah, well, I mean, what do you expect? He, like lost, he lost all his best friends. That's that what day. I'm saying. He's out. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't want to be a loser. He doesn't I want think, to be a loser. I think also, if they like, I want to see the development of three pitchers: Keegan Thompson, Alzaloy, and possibly Justin Steele. Wilson right. Contreras is a sign and trade for sure, and I and I say that loving oh, Wilson Contreras. You could totally, absolutely. He he'd probably give you the biggest haul in return. Because he's got a he's got a club option, and I'm I'm, I'm almost surprised too that they didn't even. I mean, I wonder if they took any offers on Hendricks. I would have hated that, but you know. I was going to say, are you surprised that you kept Hendricks? Because I guess if the Cubs were going in saying, "Hey, we're going to keep Rizzo Baez or Brian," Hendricks would have got you a huge return. Exactly. So if you were if if we were all kind of thinking they would keep one of the big three that were traded. And then you can kind of justify, well, we have, you know, Baez still on the team. Let's keep uh, Hendricks just so we can, you know, put a product out in the field. People will come and show up and, you know, have a competent. Yeah. Yanking play. out all three of them. And why not just. And, and yeah. As well. And oh, I, I would I would have drank myself to death. That yes. Night. I'm glad for myself and my sanity that we didn't. But it almost makes sense to just because Hendricks yeah. is Hendricks is not pitching like. Kyle Hendricks in 2025 when we need this team to be starting to get better again. So he's, he has been pitching awesome though. I saw him Saturday. He was phenomenal. He's, yeah. he's probably one of the most underrated baseball players in the league, but all right, enough, enough with the soap opera. Wait, wait, one, one, yeah. one, one, let's go on to the, let's more quick thing. I just want to say that the, just my little spiteful socks, uh, First Cubs rivalry coming out. The funniest thing was seeing <laughs> the people on Twitter and Reddit uh, after all of the uh, Cubs guys hit home runs in their debut saying, man, wouldn't it be cool if all these guys play on the same team? I saw that. Uh, I that saw that on Barstool so today. Too funny. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, funny. carry on. Well, I can't wait for you guys to kick the crap out of us this weekend. So that'll be fun. Well, I'm excited. I'm loving life. I just, I mean, what, in May, late May, you were thinking, wow, these these Sox-Cubs series are going to be fun this year, you know? No. That's the, that's the worst part about all this. Well, maybe not the worst part, but... The beautiful the, thing about, that's the beautiful thing about baseball. Well, yeah, one of the things that stinks about it is, like, we both couldn't be good at the same time. We were fleeting while you guys were rising. It would have been nice to month, just be... Yeah. A month of... Yeah, fun it, baseball and Chicago yeah. for both sides. It would have been awesome to have an overlapping year of two teams that 
you know, have playoff aspirations. But go ahead, Kev. What do you think about Craig Kimbrell and Ryan Tapera to the Sox? Well, I am very excited. So just before we get into that one, the, the Sox also did make a move for uh, Cesar Hernandez, second baseman from the Indians, gave up a minor leaguer. Anytime we get, get rid of minor leaguers who I don't know their name, you know, I always take it as a win. Um, but and yeah, so the big the big news was that we traded uh, for Craig Kimbrell and Ryan Tapera, not in the same deal, but separately. And the big pieces going your way were some minor leaguers. And with the big biggest piece being Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer going to the Cubs. <clears throat> I, I, as soon as this all happened, I called Jackson and I was telling him that it's, you know, like you already mentioned, it's a, it's a win for both organizations of where their teams are currently. And, and from the Sox fan. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, break it down that way. Like, why is this a win for the Sox first? So this is a win for the Sox because one, this is um, you're making a move for positions that needed to be done. The, the, we needed a second baseman. Obviously, you know, I think Baez was mentioned, Story, Marcus Simeon. There were bigger names out there, but oh, we were uh, not going to give you Javier Baez. Yeah, <laughs> but just 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 from the rumors, full Adam Frazier. And I know I mentioned him saying that'd be cool to get him, uh, but we got a second baseman who is not uh, Laurie Garcia, who is like can have a really good streak for about two two weeks or three weeks, and then he's just ice cold. And um, I can't even – I'm very uh, – Danny Mendick, he's been so, like, not present on the baseball field that I almost forgot his name. And we got a guy who can come in and produce, and he's gotten a couple hits to come in. Yeah, and he's 31. He's not like he's, you know, he's proven. He's not a big uh, – I guess I shouldn't say he's not a big power hitter. He He – had the, was tied for the most home runs on the team coming in with 18. So it's what we needed. I'm not upset about that. But the biggest move was getting Craig Kimbrell, having two elite bullpen arms yeah. coming in for a playoff series. If the Sox make the playoffs, you know, not hoping there's no big catastrophic. And I haven't, I haven't looked into it, but I mean, who's taking the eighth inning role if, if need be? If you're up by one run, yeah, because the, there is one thing I hate about Keg Krimble was that he only likes coming in with clean innings, which is frustrating, especially if you're in a playoff hunt. You know, according to Larusa, it was kind of mentioned that it was just going to be based off of what his decision was at the time, just from so the it's three not a, it's not a set closer. Set, uh, setup guy. It's yeah, just... it's not Kimbrel's eighth, Hendricks is ninth. Even though the two games Kimbrel, I think it was two games he came in, but the one game I for sure know Kimbrel was in, he came in the eighth, and then Hendricks closed it out in the ninth. I think it'll all depend on you know matchups, and I know they're, they're both righty, which kind of stinks. It'd be awesome if Kimbrel was lefty or Hendricks was lefty, just kind of have a back and forth. Yeah, but they're both power pitchers. That's Exa- they're both yeah, and they've both yeah. been great. Kimbrel, I would say, has been better. Has been better statistically. They're both, at, they're both point, at the part of their point, game where point five six ERA doesn't matter. So I, I'm very happy. It's great with our bullpen because it's been such a hot mess before. That this really shores it up, especially in the playoffs when you're hoping that pitchers can get you six, seven innings. That you could just go to a Kopech, a Kimbrel, a Hendricks in any certain order, and then Aaron Bummer has been pl- uh, pitching better. 
Depra, and it's a pair, and it's a pair in like a late, a late sixth inning, seventh For inning. Sure. Good setup. Absolutely. Yeah, I know Tapera has kind of struggled in his first two starts, but he might just yeah, be a little old because the Cubs threw him in in the fifth inning for two innings. <laughs> I know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not worried. The about joke him. on Twitter was just like, "Oh yeah, take Ryan Tapera because he's been overworked and he'll blow you a lead and cost the Cubs or the White Sox the division." Yeah, <laughs> kind, of, kind of like a Steve uh, Ciszek when we signed him last year. So hopefully that's not the same case. Um, so I, it's a championship-winning move. You get an All-Star closer to close out those games that hopefully. Uh, well, hopefully all the White Sox playoff games are we win by 10 runs, but the inevitable close games, you have bullpen arms that can get you there. And then with the big guys, Eloy coming back, Robert, and Rondell, right. you know, this just puts us in a spot which makes me feel much more comfortable going into uh, a playoff series. Now, why I know, were some Sox fans upset about this trade? I, I, I think it's just because. Nick Madrigal was drafted by the White Sox. He showed that he, you know, he's the Nicky two strikes. He doesn't stri- he doesn't strike out. But cool he's, boomer baseball. He's injured, so currently he's the not going to help thing, you win. He's not going to help you win, and I think it's just all sports fans, but obviously White Sox fans in this case, everyone thinks that they're young guys. <clears throat> excuse me, or their prospects are always going to turn into something special, some all-star, some, you know, all-pro player, when you can't always think towards the future when you're in a position to win now. Craig right. Kimbrell gets you in a position to win a World Series this year and next year, possibly if he decides to stay with his contract. Um, see how that ends up. Where Nick Madrigal is not ma- not helping this team win a World Series this year. You, you're not guaranteed to make the playoffs or win a World Series every single year, even though you're kind of set up where you're going to be good for the next five, six, seven years. And I think one of the hits on Magical is like he's an okay defender, right? An old, and he can only he can only play second base. He can only play second base. He gives you zero today's, power. In, in today's baseball, if you can only play one position, it fucks you, right? Like that's the that's the beautiful thing about that's a Chris hit on your resume. That's, yeah, yeah, that's the thing about Chris Bryant or Javier Baez. They can play four or five positions. You go out and you get a replacement for Madrigal who's got a gold glove, right? He may not have the bat like a Madrigal to be down like 0-2 strikes, but he's going to give you the glove. And right, second baseman is historically you're not your power hitting position, but Nick Madrigal plays in a park that's a very hitter's park where you need to produce some runs, right, especially in the playoffs. And I think what the Royals showed us in 2014, 2015, if you have the best bullpen, you're going to be in the World Series. Like, and you do whatever it takes to get to that position to win. Well, and the Rays last World Series, even though Kevin Cash kind of went to his bullpen a little bit too early. Yeah, but it there, just it's shows a you fine that you line. Need, it's a fine line. If you have line. a great bullpen, you can have success. And I mean, like, in you, you, you have the starting pitching with um, Rondon, Lynn, um, Giolito. Giolito and what's his name? The guy with the beard. Keichel. Keichel. Four guys right there. You're going to only use four guys in the playoffs anyway. And Cease Cease would slot right into a good spot in the bullpen. Right. He can be your long reliever or like a or righty righty matchup. And it's the Chicago White Sox who lost that playoff series or whatever against the Oakland A's who outdid you in the bullpen. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And obviously Liam Hendricks was the case. But so I was I think I told this to Jackson when I called you was that if you just take names out of it, because people White Sox fans know Nick Madrigal, he's I mean, he's only played 83 games for the White Sox. So I don't know why people are acting like he's had this long resume of success. He's been hurt and he's been only played 83 games. But if you told me that the White the White Sox in a trade were getting an all star closer, you know, remove the names from the the situation receiving an all-star closer in return. The opposing team is getting a number nine hitting second baseman and a relief pitcher. You're taking that trade a hundred times out of a hundred, but yeah. because white Sox fans and just all sports fans in general get so connected to these young guys that are drafted by the organization and look like they have potential and Nick Madrigal could end up being a great all-star, you know, second baseman for the Cubs. But he doesn't help you win now, just like you said, Jackson. And that's why I you're, think that this is a perfect I, I've, situation I've for the Sox. I've heard some of our friends say you're building for a dynasty. Well, you can't have a dynasty unless you win one. You got to yeah, win the, one first. Yeah, like, the, Cubs, the Cubs had a. Is, let's be honest. This is a you franchise. win one. You win one first, and then you think about reloading and trying to get it going. Right. But like, like, like you got to be honest. This is a franchise that's never been in the playoffs back to back years. You can't talk dynasty yet. Like slow your roll. And I think what you get with Kimbrell, it's just like what the Cubs had to do in 2016. They had to go out and get another closer because Rondon was solid, but he didn't strike the fear of God in you when he came out of the ninth inning. And that's what Chapman did. And And now you have that in the eighth and the ninth inning, depending on how those guys come in. So shorting up the game, you got a five, three game or a five, two game, you know, with some wiggle room for another team to come back. Game's it's over. nice. It's nice not having to like clench your butthole when you know the yeah pacing around the living come room. in. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and you have you have guys that have pop on the, on the White Sox that if you just and tell them hey you in a game. yeah you tell them hey man we're down two runs but guess what we're getting to our bullpen all we need you guys to get us back in the game because we're not going to lose it here. Also, you have starting pitching, right? You have Lance Lynn, you have um, Keuchel, who have pitched in big games with other organizations before. Obviously, Rendon and Giolito, yes, they were in the playoffs last year, but, I mean, it was a three-game series, and you guys were out pretty quick. Um, it's not a lot of playoff experience, but it is technically still playoff experience. But having two pitchers with playoff experience, who knows, like, if you get six innings out of your starting pitching and then you turn it over to the bullpen, you're in a great spot. Now I'm going to lead you with this question, and I think we're starting to see it the the AL kind of play out a little bit, and we're seeing the NL play out. But how important is playoff seeding right now for the White Sox? Because right now they are the three seed. They have dropped from the one seed to the three seed. So I was when you uh, brought up this question in our uh, little group uh, Google Docs, I was kind of thinking about it, and I, at first I was saying yes, it's very it's very important because it's home field advantage is important for any team, right? No team is going in there saying like, yeah, if if we don't get home field advantage, it's not a big deal. If you well, it's just have, the 2019 world series where it didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so every team was striving to get home field advantage. Um, yes. I think it's important that seating works out for the white Sox to get home field advantage because of that reason, because duh. Uh, and they have a much better team uh, at home than they are on the road. And because their record against uh, winning organizations this year hasn't been as good as it is against kind of the crap teams. But I will say as much as it is important that they get, do get a good seating. And if they, if it works out, I'd prefer they play 
like a Red Sox compared to an Astros, just based off of how they right. tend to play against AL East teams and AL West teams. But I do think that this in the playoffs, this is when Larusa's time to shine will come in because managers make, scientist type of managers thing. make such a big difference in the playoffs. Not that they don't make differences in the uh, regular season, but this is where it's really. This is now going to be who's got the hot hand. Does Hendricks have the hot hand? Does, Absolutely. Does, does right. Campbell have the hot off, hand? Who do I pull? Who do I pull off the bench? And Larusa is going to be good in that, and and how he's been good this season, despite you know the jokes and stuff, in the sense that he doesn't care about people's feelings. Like he's going to play who he thinks he's going to play. Where he's and he doesn't. He's not like tied to the White Sox organization where he's going to like, you know, if. Oh, I'm gonna play this guy even though he's struggling. No, he's gonna. Make it's, it's the game. The it's the game. It's the game within the game, right? Yeah. How can I? I think the one matchup that does scare me for the White Sox, um, I think is Houston. I think if you do play that team first round, that is the team you need to be home first series, right? Like, and I know you guys are about two games well, back. Well, they cheated home. They cheat at home and like they know how to win at home. And like obviously the White Sox when they went down there in early July, it did not go well. Um, and that's a team, unfortunately, that was so funny when the White Sox, they had thrown around the inflatable garbage lids and cans and stuff. <laughs> got <laughs> like it, that, man. You got that's it. That's funny. But, you know, like, even before they started cheating, like, that was always a good team. I don't know why they did that, but that's going to be a tough place to play for the White Sox, especially for, like, a young team like they are. I think if they get home field advantage for that first round, I think they're in a really good spot. Yeah, and I think just kind of going back to the manager aspect of playoff seating and all that, it's funny how like everyone, you know, bags on LaRusa for being the old guy and being clueless with like the new his rules. High, his running the other day was hysterical. Oh my god. The, the Cleveland series, real quick before I go back to what I was talking about, the Cleveland series, this last uh, three game series was great. It had I mean, it had bat flips, it had LaRusa running like he had to take a shit, go run into the catcher. It had some high-scoring games, some low-scoring games. It was just a good series all around. Um, but what I was going to say, we took two out of three, and it's what you want to see with those yeah. divisional games. It's it's what you need to do in order to win the series. But it's funny how everyone is like making fun of Larusa for being the old guy and being clueless with these new rules. Where one, these new rules don't really come into a, to play in the playoffs. There's no ninth inning runner on second rule in the playoffs, so he doesn't have to worry about. You know, switching guys in or out or those uh, mistakes. I wouldn't know shit about those rules if I was. Exactly. That's just it's just adding to the narrative that he's old and, you know, the White Sox picked him because Jerry's friends with him, blah, blah, blah. But people love picking on old people, dude. But if you're telling like if you're a baseball player or if you're just a fan, are you trusting a guy who has is older, but he has all those. He has three World Series. He has all those experience. He's been there before. Or are you trusting either a younger manager who's never been there before, maybe only been there a few times? Oh, I'm going to take the cranky old man. Yeah, or Dusty Baker, who's pretty much his M.O. is that he just chokes it in the playoffs. So, yeah, like or, you or have, overuse your pitcher before you even get there. Exactly. So, yes, it is very important to get home field advantage for the White Sox. But I also want to say that Larusa, I think – kind of bumps it where it yes you want that but if you don't get it i think he can hopefully manage his team and obviously the players i mean here's the thing tony larusa's tony larusa has won two world series with the cardinals and those cardinal teams were not even close 
to being his best Cardinal teams, right? I don't think either of those teams that they won the World Series won 90 games, right? And they, uh, the 2011 Cardinals faced death multiple times in that game six, and they came back and won it a million, you know? So they, Tony Arusha's teams are always like that cockroach that they're just going to keep finding a way and keep staying in the game. Now, obviously, the game has evolved, and, you know, the Cardinal baseball is a lot different from you know, White Sox baseball that it is now, but it is still the belief that if your pitcher gives you a six, you have a good power hitter and you just find ways to stay in the game and rely on your bullpen. You know, you could be in a tied series or at least steal a couple games on the road. And before you know it, you're back home and you're in a good spot. Like it's just finding that w- way to win, just using a basic formula. And I think that comes down to like a manager who can really steer that ship. All right, so kind of that was a good talk. Good talk about the Cubs and the Sox, but just some more, a couple general baseball thoughts about the trade deadline and about you know building uh, a winning team. Just real quick, with all of these trades, especially having them be between the White Sox and the Cubs, and you know listening to Chicago sports radio, it's always asked who won the trade, who won the trade, did the Sox win, did the Cubs win? I hate that question. Is it possible that it's a dumb team, question that both teams can win a trade? Like, yes. Why does yes. it always have to 100%. be? I won, 100%. you lost, or because ca- the case in point is not even. We don't even have to go back. We just see this Cubs trade because you know it. It doesn't have to be. It, it doesn't have to be on paper a win-win right then and there because you have to take into account where both teams are. And right now, yes, I don't want to give up a, a second baseman batter even if he's a nine-hole guy, but I need an elite bullpen guy because I, I have aspirations to get into the playoffs and beyond. Oh, well, I don't need an elite bullpen guy because we're terrible and we need a guy who's going to be our second baseman so that we can address other things while we yeah. rebuild on the stretch. Yep, you have to take into account where both where both teams are. Yeah, Cubs have, Cubs have not had a second baseman. They have not had a, a high on base percentage guy yeah. in years. You know, like hypothetically, let's say the White Sox do win a World Series, and let's say Nick Madrigal becomes a Hall of Famer or parental uh, All Star at least. Like, yeah, you could say like it worked out. Cubs and got I, hot what right in May, but dude, I mean, right to start off the right to start off the season. We had like the worst ten game stretch ever. The first ten games of the Cubs, we had like the worst batting average, lowest amount of hits ever. To go get yeah. a guy and like and to have guys like Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal who are going to be this small ball team, like it's just like that's we don't need that our whole team like that. But it's nice to have two pieces like that. It just everyone's just so quick to like hop on the uh, radio station call in or Reddit or anywhere Twitter and just say, oh, we fleeced you guys or we got fleeced like. It's yeah, because it's easy to just. I mean, this is or these are two organizations who usually don't do business with each other, and we did it twice in the past three days, and it's fun to shit on people on Facebook and Twitter. We know that. Yeah, I think the win-win trade thing like really comes about, and I think there's more so of an immediate grade, and it doesn't take much time for like NFL trades, especially when you're talking about draft picks and stuff, to really you know rear its head like what Bill O'Brien did in Houston with like um, DeAndre Hopkins and stuff where you're just like, Ooh boy, you, uh, you screwed the pooch on that one. I think NFL trades a little bit more polarizing in the, their win or loss column, but also, you know, when there's outside pressure and all that, you just never know. So I I will laugh my ass off if it's a game seven 
and Anthony Rizzo hits a walk-off home run against like a Keg Krimble. Like, yes. No offense, Kevin. I will laugh my ass. Keg, Keg Krimble. Yeah, I was just saying Keg Krimble. Keg He's Krimble. been saying Al's a lie wrong. Don't ever go into don't go into sports broadcasting. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. He had a couple white claws. Hey, Keg. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we I think we could definitely leave it at that, especially if we're talking about that re- that era. retooling area era. I kind of want to talk about that in the future, especially we start seeing a little bit more of this Cubs season. I think we should move on to the Bulls. I will say this, man, they don't be afraid to be a big market team and spend money. Well, yeah, we'll see what we're going to be in, in winter, but that's why I think if all three of them are, if all three of them potentially have a chance of coming back at the Cubs, I think it's Chris Bryant that will come back because we have money because we have money now. So the Bulls decide to spend some money today. Heck yeah, finally. Good to see. I just got to say, before we get into it, I just want to say that, you know, I don't really watch the Bulls regularly. It's probably because, it's not probably, it's because they've been so bad and And not fun to watch. Seventh round pick or seventh pick. Yeah. Exactly. But nothing's more fun than like throwing on a Bulls game when they're good. Just remember those those games when it was like Derrick Rose and uh, Boozer and just. Playoff basketball in Chicago and just competitive basketball in Chicago. It's just fun to watch. Even if you're not a Bulls fan or a big basketball fan, it's just it's just good for the city, and it's good to see that it looks like the Bulls are They're making moves again. to win. So I think where the NBA is going to switch or going to see some switches, like for me, obviously my wife being a Phoenix Suns fan helped me get back into the playoffs a little bit. But for me, I think I would have been more interested in watching these playoffs if it was not like the Phoenix Suns, it was somebody else or whatever, but not like the Lakers, I guess. But LeBron, Durant, Steph Curry not being in the the championship, and then seeing guys like Giannis and against like this young Suns team, that makes me want to watch the NBA again. You know, I don't want to see these super teams and all this. So again, the Bulls being back here and you know people making you know these seeing these trades and additions and going, wow, I don't know if it wins the championship. Who cares? At this point with the NBA, just be competitive. That's really the only fun part of the NBA. You need to be competitive. Yeah, so yeah. the first thing that the Bulls did before they made the, some trades today, actually, uh, is in the NBA draft, they took with the 38th pick from Illinois, Ayo, Ayo, Ayo Dasumu. Um, from is he a Alta shooter? Morgan, from Morgan Park High School. He's like a two, uh, point guard, two guard. He right. He's kind of all around. He can play he can pretty much everything. He Average, I believe, 20 points uh, his last year at is, Illinois. Is he a shooter, though? He is not like your your sole job is to shoot, but he is not he's not a liability okay. at, from three. I don't think they'll use him as a shooter. I think they'll use him more of kind of like a creator. Um, he's, and he's only a second-round pick. That's the thing. It's like, unfortunately, second-round picks kind of get filtered out pretty quick in the NBA because they didn't have a first-round pick this year. NBA is so top-heavy on the end that Oh, 100%. Now. If you're not but, a top 10, top 5 even. It but it down. is good to see that the Bulls are not just selling their second-round picks for cash, that they're right. going to use it for you know giving someone you can get a get a hometown shot. guy like that. That's a great is he, it, is he Is he from Illinois – before yes. being U of I, yeah, okay, then, yeah. Morgan Park High School. Then go go get a kid like that easy because it wasn't Patrick Williams from Chicago too. Uh, I think he was from the Carolina area. He went to Florida State, but I think he's from like South Carolina or something like that. Okay. I mean, I could just be pulling it out of my ass, but um, but yeah, it's but always he, good. To, it's just good to have a local kid, especially if he's talented. He, it's not like he was some slouch. He was a the star player on Illinois. So so I like having like 
you root you root for Cole Komet a little bit more just because he's like, oh, he hates the Packers too, you know? And like, yeah, and he, he's he, from Barrington. Yeah. So, so just don't talk about the college he went to. <laughs> yeah. He went to that that university in South Bend, Indiana. But it, it looks like so. I guess because we haven't said yet, but I mean the the Bulls. Uh, and it's funny because Kev I put rumor. Yeah, it's our first bull talk. Funny because Kev put this morning rumor Bulls targeting Lonzo Ball, and sure enough, Lonzo five o'clock coming, today Whoa. coming to the Bulls along with Caruso, right from the Lakers. Caruso was about yep. two hours ago. Yep. Yeah, two positions they needed a point guard. They've needed a point guard for a while. Surprising that they got him and Caruso without giving getting rid of Laurie. I would have thought that that was going to be a part well, of it. Laurie's Laurie's on the trade block right now with uh, one of the guys from San Antonio. Uh, what's his name? Um, DeRozan? Yeah. That'd be tight. All these, these getting new management in there. They're not I mean, afraid to fuck things, like change things around. Well, they're not married to their picks. And that yeah. kind of goes along with what you were saying there, Kev. Like, you're getting married to these names. And everyone's about these names, you know? like. But, like, even these, like, Laurie has, was, has been a bum since his rookie year. Yeah. Well, and it, it's it's very similar. NBA, you can go to other teams and do well. Like, you, you people talk about DeRozan, like, being a choker in the playoffs or whatever. I'm like, I would just be happy to be in the playoffs. So I don't really, you know, yeah, care about there. Yeah, I don't really care about that. But then, like, look at, you know, Bobby Portis is this sixth man on the Bucks, and he comes in and, he re, and everyone loves him, you know? Like, sometimes you get success other places and all that. But I think – you're saying, hey, we're gonna build around Zach Levine, and we're gonna show, and we're gonna have play our uh, what's that guy's the center we got? Vucevic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and go after it, man, because it's it's fun when the Bulls are in the playoffs. Absolutely, and yeah, because it gives you something to watch in the winter time. Yeah, Derrick Rose's reunion though, that would be cool. I think he, I think he's he expected, or yeah, he, he did sign with the Nets. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I'm the sorry, Knicks with the Nets? The Knicks. I'm sorry, okay. the Knicks, Knicks, Knicks. Yeah. Especially, especially because you're going to have these teams full strength. You're going to have LeBron back, full go. You're going to have Durant and that super team in New York full go. Like, who cares? Like, let's let's Fucking see. Lakers. Because super super teams Fucking are Lakers. always going to be. Yeah. They got yeah. Westbrook two days ago. Super teams are going to be always a, always a thing in the NBA now, so like you can't be like afraid of it. Like just go after it. Like absolutely. But I think also they're they're like Caruso is not obviously a superstar, and, and Ball is still developing. But like you also get some guys who are just fucking scrappers and who are yeah. young. Bulls should never Bulls should never be a franchise that's like rebuilding. We should always just be just like go after it because you never know what's going to happen in basketball, man. Yeah. Lonzo Ball is the type of point guard that we need. Someone who's a pass first, shoot second guy. We didn't, haven't had yeah. that for the last couple of years. Alex right. Russo, backup guard, good def- good defender. So it's it, we're we're not just getting bodies. We're getting bodies that actually serve certain purposes for a team. And then if you, if Levine takes the next step, he was an All Star last year. If he takes the next step in kind of like a Jimmy Butler esque thing, where he starts out as an All Star and then he just keeps elevating his game. Maybe adds a little defense. And I like Patrick Williams, Williams, man. He, he, yeah, he's, he's only yeah, 20 like, years old. So I like Williams, too. So that's that's kind of our, our first Bulls talk there. It's nice to see. It's all positive. That would have stunk if it was. It'll be nice as we're starting the podcast that the give Bulls it, are going to have a little bit of promise. Until November. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, if, they, if, they actually, if they have some promise this year, maybe we can add it to our regular repertoire. Yeah, I'm, I'm for that. Uh, just basically, I think I only put one other thing on here that's kind of other sports news. Um, the USA. 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 Defending USA. champions Mexico in extra time to win the CONCACAF that gold was clutch. Oh. Absolutely! What a fantastic that guy game. came out of that guy came out of nowhere, and he has been the man of the match for every game in the Gold Cup. So people who don't know Gold Cup, that is our, we've only given up one goal in the Gold Cup, one freaking goal. Our goalie is is great. We have great de- defense. We had two guys in the MLS as our midfields that looked fantastic. And the the one thing that people don't get, this was our like B C team versus Mexico's one A team. This is Mexico had ten of their eleven starters return for this Gold Cup. We had one one starter. Was that Zardes? Zardes? Yes. Yeah. Because we we the first game we played them, we had our guys, we had our Pulisic's, our you know our stuff. We had our Adams and all that, and then we said, okay, you can guys can go back to Europe. You can go back and play with your squads. That's fine. We're, we're good. And the expectation was maybe we'll see and see and make a run. But our, our our BC team just beat Mexico's A team. Not a good look for Mexico. Good look for United States. And a lot of these guys, 22 years old, 20, you know, under 23s. I mean, the future is bright. I, and a lot of these guys have played their way. The guy who just scored that goal, he's going to play his way into, into, into Europe for sure. Well, and uh, ironically enough, on the flip side, the uh, women's soccer team got knocked out in the semifinals against Canada, which I know a few episodes ago, Jackson was all, you know, oh, women's U.S. soccer, women's U.S. soccer. And I know they had the they've had the last, you know, these academies, these academies for 30 years, the academies (laughs) of these MLS teams are producing good talent. And this talent is getting recognized by Europe. Be, don't be surprised if the, our goalie and that and that defender get picked up by Europe. It doesn't even have to be a top five squad. I don't need you to go to Juventus. I don't need you to go to Real Madrid. I don't need you to go to that. Just go and play. Go and play. Like, go to Germany. Go to this. And Pulisic opened the do- doors wide open. And I know it wasn't just him. I know we had, like, Timmy Howard over there earlier and stuff. I, I get that. Yeah. That, yeah. But Pulisic has changed old. the game. Now Pulisic and, and now has a championship uh, or a Champions League victory. Like, again, as much as it hurts me to say it because it's your, it's your blues. But still, like, this is good. The United States uh, soccer, we're – coming for you Italy we're coming for that group stage well and, and it's just like the amount of young athletes who are going to soccer now compared to I'm sure when we were kids playing we all knew people who played soccer I played soccer for a, a year or so just because you play every sport when you like sports at that age but and you get the, pushed if you're a good athlete to your basketball and football absolutely but now I wouldn't be surprised it's not going to be overnight or even like the next 10 years but getting down the road it Soccer is going to take over. Oh, hey. Hockey is the top four sport in the United States. I am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. For sure. You're 6-0, and you can't quite be that tight end. You can't quite be that receiver. You know, but like you got some guys that are going to play both, and they're going to start choosing. And the best thing for soccer is, like, you know, definitely some states like Arizona here where, like, 
football and soccer are in different seasons. So like you have your soccer in the spring, your football in the fall. So kids can do those both both right. sports. Yeah, um, up, in, up in the north, it's both. It's yeah. Same in Arizona, now. you theoretically could do the big three. You could do your football, basketball, and soccer if you wanted to do it. So, which is why I think getting MLS teams and academies everywhere is huge. And then again, we're not afraid of like, we used to like want to hold these guys for our MLS squads and stuff. And that's great. That's awesome. But ship guys off to Europe if they want to play. You know? And, and, the, and that the MLS isn't just like, I, I know out of the leagues in Europe, it's definitely not up to par with them, but it is not this like wasted. Just- no shell of a league compared to the other league it's competitive you're getting guys who are not not just the 40 year olds who are playing in europe coming to mls to retire but you're getting guys who you know are coming in in their late 20s early 30s who are still playing top level um soccer and they're coming you're seeing too the mls is being a little bit i mean they let they they allow the you know stupid diving and stuff to happen all that but they're they allow a little bit more physical play than what you'll see in the Premier League and in La Liga, so that you know when it's time to be a little bit more physical in these World Cup games and all this, where the whistles are going to get swallowed a little bit, it's good for us because they're our guys are strong, our guys are getting to that point too. So I mean, it's it's good. Future's bright. Future's bright for the United States. I don't th- I don't foresee unless some crazy thing happens in the, in the future where everyone just starts becoming disinterested with it for whatever reason i don't see us again united states being this this country that doesn't make the world cup i mean i think we're in it now i think we're in it and you know maybe it's not like holy moly we're gonna win it but we're in it we're a part of it like we're not going to be just a one and done team anymore yeah usa soccer men's soccer trending up good to see uh, the only thing I didn't like to see just in the the end of the Gold Cup was just the fans throwing water at the at the U.S. players. You know, just if you're a, attending a sporting event, don't be a, a jerk. Uh, I it mean, was in dude, Vegas. they they're crazy. And again, when I went to that Gold Cup game, Mexico Honduras, like they have to say so many times, "Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this." I mean, people are rowdy, dude. Like people are rowdy. And I, I mean, that's what you go to soccer games for, to see some of that and be a part of that. But like it, yeah, it gets it gets a little bit over or it gets a little bit crazy. So. All right, let's let's wrap up the show with uh, our power rankings. And we're going to kind of tie it back to letting letting players, Chicago athletes, favorite players, whoever uh, leave and trade or free agency. And we're going to power rank which Chicago athletes were the most difficult for us to see leave via trade or free agency. So, and I, I didn't know beforehand, but we're not going to include the three Cubs. I mean, I didn't just because I it doesn't oh, affect yeah. me, but <laughs> you can if you wanted to put that. I, I, I think we've said about it. I didn't include them just because it's it's the, the wound's still fresh. So yeah. So I mean, if you want to like make a little side note and add that to your thing, uh, you absolutely can. Uh, I'm gonna if you don't mind, I'll get us started just because my just because my three I put. I put two for my number three just because one of them is it wasn't really someone that I got to know as a, as a White Sox fan. But so my three, my first one is the Tatis trade for Shields, seeing Tatis leave. So that's why I kind of made two of it just because it's a hindsight pick. I didn't know he was going to be this amazing player. Um, so the one that I kind of put to really one that stung for me was. Uh, having 
Greg Olson traded to Carolina for a third round pick. Um, and I kind of labeled all these. So the Tatis trade was a hindsight pick. And then the Olsen to Carolina, that, that one hurt because it was the Bears or Idiots pick. So Olsen to Carolina, seeing him leave and seeing him just be the successful. So you, is that, that's your three and two? That's my, they're both my combo three. So if I had what a bump. What the hell one, is that? Because one of those was one of my three. <laughs> All right. So yeah, Tatis trade for Shields and then Olsen to Carolina. Greg Olsen. Greg Olsen's my three too. <laughs> I mean, just say. Just Greg, Olson, him, Greg Olson was my three. Yeah. Seeing seeing Greg Olson produce for I know he was injury prone, but seeing him produce year after year after year. He's gonna go to the Hall of Fame. It just what well, I don't know what the Bears are thinking. It just it was and hard. They never, hard to they see never leave. gave a good answer of why they traded him. Because he doesn't fit our offense. Well, he had six touchdowns last my year and how many negative, yards? That's why. And like just give yeah, us your that, number three there, Jay. It's Greg Olson. Okay. Then I will go with my number three. It was going to be him, but uh, Kev decides to just switch the. He goes first. Don't flip let the script. Flip yeah. the script. I'm going to go with uh, Adrian Amos just because of where he went. And I think he's a good player. And the fact that he went to the Pats. That's a good one. And he's Solid. on a team and. He's, I mean, they've always been not so good at that position, and he comes in there and shows up, and he does what he does what we really need at that position. I think that that's a killer every time I see him on the field. And you know yeah, what stinks too is that we got their safety, haha, Clinton Dix, and he just sucked. So that extra yeah, is kind of like knife pro in the football, ribs. Pro Football Focus has ranked Amos the top, like top uh, free safety back to back years. Strong safety. Yeah, sorry, he's a strong safety. And the, and the Bears are a strong safety town. I mean, yeah. Doug like, Plank. I know they're a linebacker town, but like yeah. it's strong, something about strong safety and the Bears just kind of go hand in Tony hand. Tony Parrish. Take your head off. All right, Jack, who's your number two? Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa. And like, obviously now, like, Storyline aside. Yeah, like when you're a kid, Sammy, you know, made you a Cubs fan. And like, who doesn't want to see home runs hit onto Waveland or off the houses out there and home run derbies. And then you kind of get older and like you realize like he is kind of a shitty person or is a shitty person. But, um, you know, when you're like 13, 14 years old, you don't understand like the business of sports and like the shitty things that he was doing. Um, and it was very weird to see him in a Baltimore Baltimore Orioles jersey. So was he on the, Sammy, he was on the Rangers too? I believe. Yeah, at some and he point. went to the Rangers afterwards, and he hit his 600th home run, I believe, against the Cubs in 2007. Texas Rangers legend Sammy Sosa. Well, my number two it was trading away. Are you picking two for two, or are you I, I only have seven, one. Or two. He's gonna have six. <laughs> So my 2A is, no, it's, it's only one. My number two pick was Jimmy Butler traded to Minnesota. Um, I know we got back Zach Levine, but I kind of labeled this pick as losing a star in their prime, which hurts. And he was my favorite player on the Bulls at the time, so losing my favorite Jimmy player. Jimmy Buckets, baby. Yeah, Jimmy Buckets. Like, he just, 
We drafted Especially him. in the bubble uh, with how he was playing on the Heat. Oh, yeah. And then just see, seeing him, like, kind of have that old school mentality on the teams that he went to afterwards of being, like, that veteran who was, like, telling these young guys to, like, you can't just, you know, come in here and expect to score 25 points. You actually got to work. Just He's just a grinder turned into a, a all-star elite basketball player. And then we drafted him. He was a you know, late round pick that turned into a star. And then we traded him to get Zach Levine, which looks like he is on his way to being a perennial all-star, hopefully. But then that pick turned into Chris Dunn and Laurie Markkinen and just didn't end up panning. So Jimmy Butler is my number two. I just, I, I want to say... For my number two, I have a bunch of names here, and I'm trying to think of like the well, you question. You can say them all if you want. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, I'm. I'll, I'll save them for the end. But I, I want to think of like most difficult, and not so much most difficult to to see go for me. But I'm I'm gonna have to say here now, knowing in hindsight, because the hindsight is literally this week. You Darvish trade is stupid. It was very stupid. I think if you hold on to it, you get way more for it. And the fact that you just can't cough up that money just to see and get rid of them later and get some big cat, big, big, big prospects, I think is going to be a huge bite in the butt for us. So, yeah, that's difficult. That's difficult just to see because it's such like a multi-layered thing where it's not just you're losing a good player. And again, but- those 19-year-olds that we got or 18-year-olds might be good, but like. It's so far out, and it's just like, why not get some sure prospects or like some more yeah, like, sure prospects? Like a 22, 23 year old who's ready to come up. Yeah, yeah and you you peel back the onion and you see why they traded Darvish, and it's the money reasoning and we're tanking, yeah. and then it just all leads to where we're at oh. now. And I mean, you could say hi- yeah, you could say hindsight with it, but like I immediately now know with a hundred percent certainty that we could have gotten a king's ransom for him now because Jose Barrios got two top prospects and he's great he's filthy but like he wasn't a Cy Young candidate yeah who knows all right Jack who is your number one um it it will be eventually over time Anthony Rizzo just because I think he is like not just a good baseball player but like very symbolic to the Cubs like I always thought Rizzo would be like our generation's Ernie Banks so it, it probably hurts the most. And yeah, the wound is still very much alive and open. But Eloy and uh, what's his fucking Dil- name? Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease for Quintana. Like, I mean, like, at the time, it made sense because they needed that 3-4 pitcher. And Quintana is not, was not has, has had a very good career overall. But just like you... And maybe because also I was at the Eloy game where he hit that game-winning home run against the Cubs at Wrigley. Um, so that kind of hurt. But you just see Eloy's career trajectory if he stays healthy and is like... It's... Yeah, and then you get rid of Dylan Cease. And I know the jury is still out about Dylan Cease. But like he is someone like who the Cubs kind of need, like a power right-handed pitcher. And we don't have anybody right now. It's just like, man, be kind of nice to have both but Eloy would have a hard time cracking that Cubs lineup in 2017 2018 just because he's not really good in the field but um yeah it's not fun especially because he's on the White Sox and he, he'll he'll come back healthy and probably have a very good career yeah that's a, that's a solid pick I mean 
you could you could definitely use that Eloy uh, kind of injection of offense in those one game playoff series if he was on the oh, roster God. that you had. So. Yeah, and like with Quintana, it's not like there were times where he pitched awesome, but he would be like good for two weeks, bad for two weeks, good for a week, bad for three weeks. You know, it was just so up and down. Yeah, that's definitely tough. Um, so I'll go with mine. My number one, and it's once again, just only one pick. It was seeing Chris Sale traded to Boston uh, just because that, not that the Sox were a playoff contender with Chris Sale, but to see the best best player on your friend, on your favorite team leave, and then you just know that they're going to be trash for the next couple years, um, just knowing that's the start of a rebuild. It was rough. And then to see him win a World Series in Boston, you're happy for him. But at the same time, you're like, you know, you don't want to see your one of your favorite players and your best player win a ring with another team. You want to you'd rather it be with the White Sox. Um, and at the time, like I know that the prospects that we got back, Kopech, Makata, and I'm I'm sure there was another one. Basabi, I think, was another guy that we got in that trade. They were all projected to be really good. I think they were their one in two, maybe one in three prospects in their organization at the time, but you just don't know with prospects. So that was, that was my hardest one to see leave Chicago was Chris sale, because, you know, even if the Sox were bad, if you turned in once every five games, you're going to see a good performance from Chris yeah. sale. And, or you're yeah. going to see him freak out about his shirt. <laughs> yeah. Cut the sleeves and... <laughs> off. Did you see that he, Chris sale had a uh, daddy long neck tank top on during an interview? No, we didn't. I, I, the, the they're, top they're comment, thinking he's going to come back this year. The top comment was, he's okay wearing that, but he d- had a problem with those sleeves on the White Sox uniforms. Dude, so, he's a psycho. He's a psycho, but he was our psycho. And when the he's, Sox were hey, bad. He isn't, he isn't Trevor Bauer's psycho. So. Yeah, that's who. Yeah, that's who. That's toxic. Yeah, we're not going there. All right, scooting away from that topic, Tim, who's your number one? I This is sentimental, and I just feel like, I just don't really, I never understood it at the time, especially because we still had Cutler in 16. Why did you let Matt Forte walk and go to the Jets? Like, you oh, let my boy, you, that's, that's you, you let my boy go to the Jets. And like, again, would like it would make more sense if like we, you know. It, Even it would like make, a two-year deal. Yeah, well, it, he, and I looked it up. He signed a three-year for 12. You couldn't give Matt Forte $4 million a year. You couldn't give Matt Forte $4 million a year. And again, the other running back we were running in 16, I, and correct me if I'm wrong because I don't know if it was 16 or 17, I think we had Jordan Howard rookie year 16. I was going to say, I think, I was going to say, who was the guy behind him that we yeah. promoted? I so think I'm like, you couldn't, have done a one, you couldn't do a, a one-two punch with Forte. And again, you didn't know that Tariq Cohn was going to be a thing. And I think Tariq Cohn wasn't a thing until 17. So, like, 16, you still had Jay Cutler. It's not like you had a rookie quarterback at that time. Yes, your your franchise was going in a different avenue, but, like, you had just gotten rid of, and I, I don't know in 16, but I'm pretty sure they had gotten rid of Alshon at that point, Marshall at that point, Bennett at that point. Yeah, like, that was, like 16, I think, I believe, was uh, Jeffries last year. Okay, so, like, why not keep him? And then if you keep him for the two years, he ended up only playing two out of his three, then maybe, like, you didn't know who Tariq Cohen was and all that. So, like, 
having a Matt Forte presence when Trubisky takes the range in 17, how, how, how beneficial is that? You know, how nice is that to have with the Jordan Howard, Matt Forte, one-two punch? And then just, I, I get that he signed and he retired here as a bear, but like you knew he was in his twilight and you were in such a weird area and he wasn't asking for that much money anyway. How the hell do you let Matt Forte walk and go to the Jets? I don't get that. And it's, it's so, like, I will it's say why that. did that why did that happen to my two favorite Bears running backs of my life? Not like you know because I wasn't you know like Walter playing at a different time or whatever, but like Thomas Jones Jets, Matt Forte Jets, and like, both their their careers were just they were bad. I mean it, it's so weird seeing athletes who you like and love and respect. And it, it hurt too because he loved in Chicago different uniform. Too. Yeah, and he wasn't asking. I get it if it was like, oh my god, he's asking for big money, and like we had already paid him money, and then and the worst part about it is he got a thousand purpose yards, all purpose yards, uh, six, 2016 on the Jets. He got 800 yards rushing and over 260 yards receiving, seven rushing touchdowns. And one receiving touchdown, eight touchdowns. I'm pretty sure in 16 we were miserable, like couldn't score at all. So like I just like yeah. I don't get it. Like I get it maybe if we were get if we drafted a quarterback and stuff. And that leads me to kind of lump in the Jay Cutler thing as well. Like why get why get rid of him and then get Mike Lennon when you could have had at least had Jay like do some sort of mentoring even though he's probably not the guy to mentor but you know i don't know it just makes it just made no sense like that was just such a shitty time as a bear fan with letting urlacher go and this and that it just but forte was like this guy can still play he can still ball out and like you said kev he wanted to play and we were was... at his last game tim yeah god oh that's oh, a good dude. one i forgot about that one there's just so that... many there's so many and oh, that's shit. even like even before the the Cubs did their thing, like Kevin, we were talking about the other day. It was just like it's gonna be weird seeing Duncan Keith in a new jersey. Like, like that was like, one of the last <laughs> times too. You might be able to do that for a running back. I, I mean, for a running back to stay at a team their whole career now, I think is probably not. No, it's, it's hardly. I yeah. mean, it's hard to see a running back in the league nowadays stay more than seven years or any yeah. athlete nowadays to Most draft them play. to draft them in two thousand eight. At that point, you know, he was going on to his eighth season, going to be 31 years old. I'm sure he was transparent with the office and saying, like, hey, I'm not trying to not I mean, not trying to go for broke here. I mean, three for 12 with nine guaranteed. I mean, you again, you can't say 30. Wait, he was 31 when he left. He was he was 30 uh, his last season with us and he was going to be on his 30, 30 age 31 season. Damn. So he was my age. He's yeah. our age. When he left the Bears. Yeah, and but I'm just like, dude, you couldn't give this guy, and again, it gets a thousand purpose yards. Like, God, it's just, it, it just shows like the shelf life of a running back. Yeah, but I mean, I just it didn't make any sense from where the Bears were to just let him go. Like, it just it, it didn't at all. And I remember seeing when he when he got let go that even one of my good friends down here was who's a big Packer fan was like. Wow, that's one of my favorite players, and you guys are just gonna let him go. I'm like, yeah, we're stupid. Yeah. Well, we're at, we're gonna, I guess, end the podcast on that sad, depressing note of going over people we had a hard time seeing leave our favorite teams. But yeah, it's like a bad breakup. Thanks. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the show. We uh, did another quick turnaround with all the great news that we had from the trade deadline and uh, just around the leagues. 
So I just want to say thank you for listening to the Team Bear Sports Podcast. You could find this podcast on all major podcast hosting platforms. Uh, and with that, see you send guys next time. Send us some emails. Yeah, send us some. Thank you for the reminder. Send us emails. If you happen to, <laughs> if you happen to have made it all the way through <laughs> this episode and you didn't get it in the beginning, uh, <laughs> teambearpodcast at gmail.com. Send us any emails, any questions. We'll hopefully have an episode where we just answer as many goofy emails as we get. So it just took us a while to get there. If you're in the Arctic, get get all the boulders out. Of, get them away from your property. Shut up. <laughs> All right, guys. See ya. All right. See ya. Thank you. Thank you. And go Bears! <laughs>